Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. The film is called Catch the Fair One. At its essence, the story is about a Native American boxer by the name of Kaylee K.O. Upshaw. As she embarks on the fight of her life when she goes undercover in a sex trafficking operation to seek answers and revenge against the men responsible for the disappearance of her sister. It is about that as well as the completely dehumanizing system designed to grind up these young women as well as about class, as well as about culture, as well as about the history of our relationship, we North Americans who came to this country and our relationship with the indigenous people of this land. It's about so much more. It is a absolutely stunning piece of work, beautiful to look at and horrifying to contemplate. The film again is called Catch the Fair One, and we're joined today by the director as well as the co-writer of the film, Joseph Valadica. Joseph, welcome to Film School Radio. Thank you for all those kind words. It is. It's all of this. I didn't know what to expect. I, I knew what the storyline was. I didn't know, you know, certainly I've seen films that have taken on this issue in the past. There's a clarity to this, to the storytelling. There is nothing about this film that pulls its punches. And I just want to congratulate you. I know, know this was a collaboration between you <laughs> And Kaylee Reese, uh, tell me a little bit about sort of the backstory, how you all got together. Sure, sure. I mean, yeah, like um, I think collaboration and trust are the the two main words for uh, mine and Kaylee's relationship. I mean, I wrote the script, but she worked on the story with me, and it was basically a two year long journey of the 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 whole process was constantly in flux, especially because I wanted her to act in it as well, and so. Um, you know, I met her through the sweet science of boxing. Actually, I was getting very much into boxing myself. And I find her, I found her through my friend's boxing gym. And, you know, I was immediately drawn to her because she's a world champion fighter and a world champion boxer. And just watching her hit the mitts is amazing. But she's also an, you know, an activist and an artist. And she uses her platform to touch and speak out on things that she really believes in. And when we first linked up and got together, we were talking a lot about the MMIW crisis in North America. I had ideas germating in my mind of like a film, but I wanted to really find like a collaborative person to kind of explore and go on this journey with. And it was really important to me to get her perspective and her thoughts on the on the story as well. So it was a combination of preparing for her to act in it and then forming and shaping the characters in the story over the course of, like I said, over the course of two years. And during that time, we were constantly sharing lots of different information. Kaylee was traveling from reservation to reservation, meeting actual people who lost loved ones, all of all these different ideas kind of that we would just talk about as we spent time with each other. And then what it really sort of, we there was so much we wanted to say, so much we wanted to tackle, obviously, kind of whittled it down to just this one character. And we wanted to take like a strong, strong warrior, a fighter that used to be something great, right? And put all the themes of, of pain, loss, regret, frustration on the shoulders of this one character that this issue kind of touches on, rip an audience through this cathartic experience of, of that story and leave them in a place of, of thinking. But really, Kaylee was sort of the anchor for, for everything. She's the, she's the anchor for the story. She's the anchor for the character. So for two years, it was constantly in flux. 
as we were working the material, as we were, I was trying to find people to give us money for the film and all that crazy stuff. And it, we met in 2017 and we shot the film in 2000, um, 2019, literally right before the pandemic, right at the end of 2019. In this process of putting this project together, your collaboration with Kaylee, was she always going to be the lead in it? Was she always going to essentially, yeah, help you tell the story? Was that always in the mix? Yeah, I mean, for me, the moment, because I, when I first met up uh, with her, and I do this, my first film I met with some, uh, I, I made um, with people that weren't necessarily uh, professionally trained actors. So I'm, I'm inspired by really real people. And from the fo- first minute I went up and I brought my camera and I just started interviewing and talking to her, I knew instantly there was just something about her that I just was, I just thought was powerful. Like, and also at the same time, she was training for a fight, you know, cause she's a world champion boxer. She's, you know, she was going <laughs> to train at her, her archetypical hot, sweaty, tough gym with all these world champions in there. And she's the only gal in there. And, and she gets in and starts sparring these guys. And I was like, Whoa, you know, inexplicable moment of like, this is a movie. This is, this is something there. And then after, after that, that I, you know, I had some ideas that we were building off of and I, and I wanted to bring her in and help create the character Kaylee. Let's build this character, pulling um, real elements from her real life to, to bring some of the emotion that we needed to, you know, for example, you know, when she gets uh, drummed out to the ring at the end, you know, that's something that Kaylee does in, in her real life, in her real boxing. And I've witnessed that in three different iterations one, when she was the first female fight on the 45 years of HBO boxing, I saw it on the TV, you know, and then I saw one, I was with her before a fight be, be in the back. And then, of course, you can see how all this probably inspired some scenes in the film back with her. And then I actually went out with her as she was drummed out, like right there with her. And then I also saw ringside, all these fights she won, by the way. <laughs> so I, I'm, hopefully I'm a good luck charm. Yeah, but. she is. She's a powerful, she's a powerful presence. She's, and she, obviously her physical prowess, you can see in the way she carries herself. Yeah. There's so much about that, that, that physicality that translates into this story and the, and the character's sort of journey through all of this. In terms of the research around trafficking of young women, and you mentioned, I think you were mentioning that this is an issue that is a particular acutely affecting the indigenous peoples of our country, right? Is that yeah, this but, seems like what I read in the past that this is a huge issue? Yeah, yeah, in and, North America, in, North America, in, yeah. yeah, obviously in Canada, big watershed. All this, all this stuff is coming to the light more. Um, and it was research, both of us, you know, sending different articles, different books, lots of documentaries and researching that way. And then like, and Kaylee herself, you know, works with at-risk youth. So she knows a lot of those stories pulling from that, girls that have actually been trafficked, so on and so forth. And then her going around the reservation and speaking at different events. So it was really just like a, an open um, channel back and forth. And, and then we, we, we would come back to writing the script, you know, we would, we would adjust, we would bring in stuff like how different themes and stuff that we want to kind of try to explore and put in the story, but still very much grounding it in, like I said, this, 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 the shoulders of this one character, um, because it's, it's such a, a, a big issue. It's, 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 it's so, you know, sprawling, like we need, but our film is just like a little 80 minute film that we wanted to focus on her, anchor on her, anchor on her. You know, that's the thing it, for, for many people, they can see news reports, they can read articles, but it's the power of story. It's the power of storytelling that oftentimes will break through. 
Yeah. And I'm aware of I'm aware of it, and I, I have seen some documentary about some documentary work about it. But this hits home in a way that I, I just think it just kind of cuts through into that part of our brain that really where it really begins to resonate, especially. Yeah. Is that is that a fair thing to say? I mean, for yeah, yeah, no, I mean, I mean, very much like uh, I think that that's the power of 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 movies and, and and storytelling, and it's not a documentary. What can we explore using a narrative device, using using the genre, using it to bring in audience that maybe normally wouldn't watch a movie like this? Like, let's say if it was a straight drama. So, using all these things, but I mean, with that said, I mean, it's very much our sort of artistic interpretation, our artistic collaboration, you know, we knew we wanted to make something that was tough, that uh, left the audience really in a place of thinking. But, you know, that was an agreement that her and I made <laughs> from the very beginning, you know, we'll just, we just really got to, got to try to do what feels right to us. Yeah. The film is called Catch the Fair One. And we're speaking with the co-writer as well as the director, Joseph Latica. I'm not giving anything away specific to the movie. I hope I'm not. But by saying from the moment she enters into that system to the end, it is just a white knuckle kind of sense. The aura of danger is constant from that moment moving forward in the film. And I want to talk about in in terms of not just the storytelling and the performances and the people that you've introduced into this world who seem completely appropriate to the kind of inhumanity that you would expect or you wouldn't. I don't I want to put it the right way. You don't know, but when you see it, you recognize it as that would be the way it would be. I guess it yeah. sort of opens your eyes in that re- regard. But it's also this, you know, the work, the camera work, the sound, mm. all of it. It's just absolutely, I, I can't think of too many films I've seen, at least recently, where from that moment on till the very last frame of the film, you're just on the edge of your seat for, for what might happen. Yeah, well, I mean, what me and uh, what me and Kaylee always said is, you know, we wanted to make a film where you come in late and you get out early. I mean, meaning that it's just it starts and not a lot is explained. And you're just through you're just kind of ripped through this very, very intense uh, dark tunnel that you go down. And I, th- I think the working with the composer and the sound designer, Nathan Halpern and David Forshee, we were kind of of one mind because we really wanted to make the, just how the, the landscape sonically of the film, the score and the, and, the, and the actual sound play together as sort of one thing, sort of fused together as one thing. So like with the score, you know, some of the instruments he chose and sounds he was trying to create was as if like almost like what would be in that environment of some of the locations we went, you know, but it's a score. And we had um, this very special, who's now no longer with us, uh, Wolf Snyder, our, our onset sound recordist, who was um, one of the most amazing artists and sound recordists I've ever worked with. And he's done amazing films. He, he did Nomadland. He was the sound recordist on that, the writer. And he was just really, really special. And really, when we come to a location, he looks at it from a sonically from a standpoint of like storytelling. You know, I was lucky to have all those elements and great, great collaborators around me. And then and then obviously the the, the cinematographer, Ross Giardina, we we knew we wanted to subjectively be with this character because the movie, the weight of the world's on her shoulders. So we're with her a lot, but then we, you know, you'll notice we kind of sort of cut to these very static wide shots, 18 millimeter wide shots that just sort of hold. And in a way those are <laughs> device in the sense of because the film is so unrelenting, we want to give a little bit of the audience just a second to just kind of breathe a little bit. But can I just say in relation to that, I was keen to what you were doing there, but, at the same time, even in those wider shots, 
there's a stark coldness to it. That's what I'm talking about, the sort of relentless vibe that you get from the film. Even those shots, it looks cold and forbidding. Yeah. And from whether it's the train yard or the truck stop or or even the house itself, there's a kind of... Well, we, you know, very much because like memory, you know, is a big idea from it. Yeah. Something me and Kaylee talked about all the time and she's constantly um, reflecting these memories of her sister. Um, and so kind of a faded memory, a faded image, a forgotten place, all these ideas were very much in our minds when we were looking for some of these locations. And we shot in, um, we shot in Buffalo, New York. So that, which was amazing. I, I really loved shooting there. I really loved the film community. They're extremely supportive, really, really great. All the locals there. We worked with the Seneca Nation there. They, we shot in their casino. All the Bobby got the locations manager, local casting director up there. But there's something about Buffalo that has that like blue collar sort of worn in, you know, like it's, it's a place that has been lived. So yeah, we very much wanted to embrace that. There's a lot of memorable characters and performances in the film, but the one that really stands out is uh, Shelly Vincent for me. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. She is, she is kind of the, I wouldn't say she's her conscience, but she's, she's the, she's the one who keeps her on focused on her craft Mm-hmm. focused on what it is she's trying to accomplish by doing yeah. what she's doing. I just loved her. I just loved Shelly. Well, so so Shelly is also a world-famous female boxer. Yeah. She's, she's a champion as well. When I first met Kaylee, they were roommates. And so I saw a lot of their dynamic together. You know, they would work out together and all this stuff. And so I knew I knew that she had to be in the film. Like I said, we as we were writing the script, we would kind of explore things and then rework them once we discovered stuff. As some of my most memorable, fun stuff that I shot on my camera, this is before we're shooting. This is just like, you know, researching and, and then trying to prepare uh, Shelly to work with, you know, try these scenes out and get her acting a little bit. And some of these scenes I did with the two of them improvising are, are just are just amazing. She's she's amazing. Her, na- I mean, natural, both of them, obviously, but Shelly just has such a presence on screen. And um, I mean, she's really, really great. She would be great in a film, too. You know, I mean, she's 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 amazing. So, yeah, they were um, I always knew that she was going to be in the film. And then that since she's Kaylee's friend and, you know, we're like, well, we should make her this character brick. That's like her in him. Boom. <laughs> it, it works well. I, I mean, having mentioned Shelly Vincent, I, obviously Kaylee Reese is she's riveting. You can't take your eyes off her. I would say there's some element, performative element in boxing. Mm-hmm. It is obviously a, a, a the the what are they? What's the they always call it? The uh, sweet science, the sweet science. But along yeah. that, along with it is some showmanship. So you know that she's got the energy for it. Mm-hmm. It's in the small moments. It's in the quiet moments where you just cannot take your eyes off of her. She has a lot of grace. She is like this powerful world champion boxer, but there's a grace to her. Well, you know, we're basically like family now. We're, we're, we're very good friends now. She was so willing to, to be vulnerable, especially at the beginning stages when we, like I said, we had to both trust each other if we were going to go on this, this journey, because without one, each other, this, this movie doesn't exist. And she was very open to being vulnerable and touching on stuff that, that both of us, and I, I open up to and talk about all the stuff, personal stuff for me to just form that bond and trust. And then she was so willing to go there in front of the camera. But I think having a boxing background for me as the director, 
was fantastic because she's so disciplined. You know, when she commits to something, she really goes for it. And, um, and that's, and if she, since she trusted me, you know, I think that's what really made our relationship work. And then on top of that, when you're a boxer, you, you, you there's just a certain, you know, it's art to me, it's art, you know, I, I've now got become obsessed with boxing. So, um, but, um, and how you move and everything. And, you know, in filmmaking, it's a dance sometimes with the camera and so on and so forth. And, uh, and she was amazing. Like, I guess it's the peripheral vision or whatever, you know, you have your marks on the ground, but she was just like, it all came so naturally to her. And we were sometimes doing some pretty complicated shots, you know? So. And that scene with uh, Kimberly Guerrero, uh, who plays her mom. Yes. That's beautiful. You know, when you have your schedule uh, laid out in front of you, you know, that's the one that day has like 10 stars around it because we know that that day has to be, um, yeah, we have to, and, you know, Kaylee was a, a trooper, you know, we did that scene a lot <laughs> and Kimberly, I have to give a lot of credit to, cause she was really pushing Kaylee and really helping me get her there in a lot of ways. And, you know, we had the scene, but then we would also improvise a little bit. And I think for everyone who watches the film, because af- from that point on after, yeah, it's when the uh, the gas gets accelerated and it and exactly it really, right. <laughs> that's, that's, just, that's that's kind of the last gas station before you. Yeah, yeah, and then there's <laughs> there's no turning back, and and we knew, and Kaylee knew, of course, like as a natural storyteller herself, like we just knew that how important that scene is because it's it's sort of the why of everything, and then boom, and then and then she goes. Well, I'm going to, as I started to say earlier, I'm going to take a left turn because as we talked about earlier, this is an issue that has been uh, a part of the indigenous people experience in this country for decades. And I feel like this is a continuation of something that's been a part of white American history since we landed here. And it still feels like there's a war on the indigenous people in this country, because why is this happening? Why is it in the open the way it is within the community, within the indigenous community, and it still never gets the kind of attention and measures that are needed to take care yeah. of? Yeah, I mean, that's exactly why me and Kaylee, just from a human standpoint, wanted to make the film to bring an awareness to it. Just even her her tribal history, uh, she's from the Sakonk Wampanoag tribe. And they were a first contact tribe. And the, when a lot of the men from her tribe wouldn't agree to assimilate to Christianity, they were shipped off and put into the slave trade. And that's why a lot of her tribe is mixed. This is all stuff that I didn't know about. You know what I mean? I didn't know how deep seated a lot of this stuff was, how deep it goes into our history, into the history of North America. And, you know, I have to give a lot of credit to Kaylee because she really opened my eyes to reading and looking. I didn't even really know about the Northeast Woodland tribes, you know, most of the time my window into it is the Southwest Plains, you know, and that's what you think of, but there's indigenous people all in every region, every place where we are right now. And that's what was so great about having Kaylee as a collaborator was so, you know, she really enlightened me and educated me on that stuff. And it's a complex, deep issue that uh, I think it needs to be, there's just so much more, there's so much coming out in the news too, with the residential schools and yeah, the history is yeah, deep. Yeah, I yeah. just think that we need to, we need to look back and understand in order to move forward. You know, this country really has a hard time reconciling with its past. We really, yeah. Yeah. And I think that's part of the, yeah. Why we're in such a mess that we are right now. You know, the, the, the way I, the way I came to know about any of that, what you just described was there was a documentary that came out a couple of years ago. And I forgot it. Oh, I forgot now. I can't, I'm sorry. I can't remember the name of it, but it basically the director came on to talk about just what you described, how many 
indigenous people were slaves and were the the roots of blues music is a combination of indigenous yeah. and and african music and the and the drum was a way of signaling to other people on other plantations there's just it was just a, to me that was the first yeah, yeah, exactly. And there was a mixing there. And also in Latin America, there's lots of that. There's lots of indigenous mixed with the Pacific coast with, with um, as part of the slave trade. Uh, Sam Seward, who was one of the characters in the film, he's from the Squamish nation, Squamish nation in, in Canada. And, you know, his the, the stories he would tell us and the stuff on set, this is, you know, he had family that were part of residential schools. And it's just something that Again, there's. It feels like there's some people who just don't want to face it and right, understand right. it to create the empathy moving forward. There's like two different uh, rules of thought. What I told Kaylee and how I feel about it is just in order to have empathy and to move forward, we do need to look at the past and understand it and look at it honestly, so we can move forward together. But exactly right. you know, but some you know, you know how crazy <laughs> this country. Well, I do. Is. Yeah. No. And and that's. Uh, we'll wrap it up on this. I call it the acknowledgement project. Until we acknowledge it, let alone start to deal with it, but just the idea of acknowledging our past, we're yeah. going to be stuck here forever. Yeah. And yeah. and that's unacceptable. That's yeah. Unacceptable. And it's tearing us apart in a lot of ways too, you know? Yeah. I want to thank you so much for your You're film. You're welcome. I really, truly thank you so much for your being here. Uh, and also it is available. You can go see it this weekend in Los Angeles. The film is called Catch the Fair One. And, and we've been joined today by the co-writer, along with Kaylee Reese, as well as the director, Joseph Vladica. Joseph, thank you so very much. Come back anytime you've got something. Sure. I really I will. I will. Thank you, Mike. It was thank a pleasure. You. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio. Music